welcome to the podcast. I'm Ross. I'm Phil, and this is Ross and Phil Talk Paintball Massacre! Yay! Yay! I told everyone to go on mute, so literally that joke didn't work at all, but it's fine. <laughs> so today, uh, myself and my uh, colleague Ross are joined by pretty much the entire cast uh, and a few of the crew of uh, British independent horror film Paintball Massacre. Let's give me a fun one, Ross. Absolutely. I watched it again last night uh, to, to refresh myself, so I have loads of questions. Good. I'm glad you have loads of questions. So, look, um, we will, uh, we've got a, a jam-packed podcast. We'll do what we usually do. We'll talk about the last film we saw. Um, just the last one, Ross, not your usual trick of the last 15 and yeah. 12 others. Um, we'll, we'll go on and talk a little bit about Paintball Massacre, obviously, because that's why we're here. And then at the end, we will, because Paintball Massacre is a slasher horror film, right? We'll, we'll start to digest a list of the best um, slasher horror films that there are. So that's our plan for today. We'll start uh, by saying hi, hi to Joe Hallett, who is the producer of Paintball Massacre. Hiya, Joe. How are you doing? Hi, Phil. Hi, Ross. Hi, everyone. So I'm do you doing wanna, well. Do you want to introduce who we have on the call today? Oh, wow. We've got a lot of the cast and crew. So we have, latest, we have Cheryl Berniston, who plays Jessica Bentley in Paintball Massacre. Hello, friends. We have Nat Natasha Kalip who also plays Lauren Bryce in Paintball Massacre. Yay. We also have the famous Nicholas Fintz, who plays Somerset the Barman in Paintball Massacre, most known for his role in the cult classic Hellraiser. We oh, also folks. have our writer, Mr. Christopher Regan in the house. Christopher? Who? <laughs> <laughs> and we have Lee Latcher-Evans, who plays Nathan Brown in Paintball Massacre. Hello, hello, hello known for obviously for the band Steps. And we have Aoife Smythe, who plays Sarah Ryan in Painful Mask as well. So we've got, yes, quite a few people on. Hello, everyone. <laughs> well, this is, I mean, Ross, we've done a few of these cast and crew specials with, with obviously people that we know and films that we like. Mm. Um, I don't think we've ever tried anything this ambitious or, or potentially prone to disaster. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to see how this one turns out. We will obviously get on to talk about Papal Massacre in a second, but let's start with the last film we saw. Ross, what was the last film we saw? So I'm assuming we're still ignoring hashtag martial arts. We are absolutely ignoring hashtag martial arts. For anyone who doesn't know, hashtag martial arts just means watch one martial arts movie every day through the month of March. Oh, sorry, just on that, we've yeah. come up with a new one for November, haven't we? No, it's going to be January, isn't it? No, oh, no, no we've, November. Got, we've got November and we've got November. Yeah, January. so, so yes, break the break the November one. What are we doing for November, Ross? Well, it's going to be a weird. <laughs> this is not going to work. We're going to do a a a split November. Uh, how do we... the first one is Sly November which is watch one Sylvester Stallone movie every other day in November. And the other one is Arnold Schwartz so November, November. <laughs> which is an Arnie film every other day. And they're going to do a toss-up each day to decide which one it's going to be. So there you go. Uh, that, that's off forever. Forever. November's, November's going to last 70 days. I mean, yeah, look, to be fair, hopefully we won't, like, you know, if worse comes to worse, we're back in lockdown in November. At least you'll give us something to do, Ross. So anyway, last film you saw. Well, of all the films to have watched in the last, well, my most recent film, aside from those movies, um, it was quite random. I was just fancy the comedy. And it was Austin Powers, the first one. Oh, well, OK, that's right. And I, I forget how fun, like, it's really weird. Everyone laughs at Austin Powers. And he's kind of become like a set of cliches now, like a lot of just 
you know, Groovy Bay, all that shit. It's all kind of become quite dated, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, in the last 20 years. But it's really easy to forget how funny it is and how, at the time, how original it was. Like, how like hard-hitting it was as a it's, comedy. It's a great film. Oh, it's a great film. In fact, weirdly, I actually prefer The Spy Who Shagged Me. Um, and I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people, because that's when they got that Dr. Evil is the joke, really. But really, what's the best thing about Spy Who Shagged Me is the outtakes on the DVD are actually funnier than half the stuff in the film. Hmm. Um, so look, last film I was so we've had a bit of a running an oddly running gag when we've done these crew specials right because we, we did um, we did Vengeance and the film Cannibal and Carpet Fitters came up yes. and then we did Tribal and the film Cannibal and Carpet Fitters came up so I thought it was probably about time that I watched Cannibals and Carpet Fitters <laughs> and I have to say like genuinely my expectations were were not huge I had a feeling it was going to be fun but I really enjoyed it. It's, it's a lot of fun. fun. It's a lot of fun. And it's more than just a clever title. Yeah. Um, it also has like a great head splitting moment right at the beginning of the film as well. Yes. Which was a complete surprise. I had no idea they were going to do that. And it g- genuinely made me go, oh, fuck, that's quite good. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I finally got around to watching Cannibals. And I also just, no, I'm not going to do it because that would be breaking my own rule. Um, so <laughs> i tell you what, what we'll do is we'll play round robin. So I will pick someone and then they get to pick the next person. I think that's probably fair. Uh, yeah. Let's go with Chris. Hello. Last <laughs> film. Right. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have anything cool to say because the last film I watched was um, the, the SpongeBob movie. The last SpongeBob movie. <laughs> That's a movie. Well, it's yeah. Got David Hasselhoff <laughs> in it, hasn't it? It's, it's got Hasselhoff in it. No, it's, it's the newest right? one. It's the newest uh, one. That's, yeah, it's, it's got uh, Keanu Reeves in playing a, a tumbleweed. So, um, <laughs> really? Yeah, it wasn't bad actually, but uh, it's um, it's it's my son's show. We do a movie night on a Friday, and we get, take turns picking. And all week he's been saying he wanted to watch Iron Man, and I was like, "Yeah, great, we'll watch Iron Man." And then right at the last minute, he was like, "Can we watch SpongeBob?" Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was right. Nice. I like, and I like the fact that I came to you next. That that was just brilliant timing. That <laughs> yeah, thank you, Chris. Uh, that's kind of made me. That's kind of made the tone for this one. So where are we going next, Chris? Uh, Cheryl. <laughs> you oh, sorry, you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, it's so good. I'm having a snack. It's all good. Um, okay. Last movie I watched. Um, you know, when I when I knew I had to talk about my last film that I'd seen, I got really scared and thought it might be Wild Child with Emma Roberts. So, um, I really quickly grabbed a movie last night and had a had a movie night and uh, watched Nightcrawler for the first time. Yeah. Oh, and I'd been up since like 5.30 in the morning, so I was really tired and it just freaks me out and his eyes will haunt me forever. Um, very good film. Very good movie, actually. If you haven't seen it, definitely crack on with that. Definitely a, a, definitely a step change from the SpongeBob movie. I'll give you that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> wow. Uh, awesome. Thank you, Cheryl. That's good. I like that one. Uh, wh- who are we going to next? Uh, we're going to Lee. Oh, Lee. So... Uh, randomly, didn't source a film out for this. I just literally watched this two days ago on Netflix, and it's a film called Peppermint. Oh, yeah, Jennifer Garner. With Jennifer Garner, yeah. Um, just wanted to check it out, see what it's like. And it's almost like she's gone a little bit back to her Electra days on this one with the fight scenes, the guns and stuff. And it's the way I would describe it is it's kind of a female John Wick type of revenge flick. And yeah, not the best film I've ever seen, but not the worst film. Just, just a nice, a good film. There you go. 
Yeah, to, 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 there, there are some rules, by the way, I should have said at the beginning of this podcast. There are some things we don't yeah. mention on this podcast. We don't mention John Wick. because They're all like <laughs> triggers for Ross, right? These are things that set Ross Why? off. Why? John Wick's a great film. You're going to diss oh, John Wick now. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I'm sorry, stop but it. the moment I'm he stop. kills his dog, I will do exactly what John Wick does for my dog. Oh, oh so would I. No, dude, do you know what? I quite like the film until the action starts. <laughs> and then I think it's I think it's genuinely bland and boring. And I and just as everyone who doesn't know, see what I mean. The third one, mean. the third one is where I actually started liking it, except for the story, which was unbearable. But the action in the third one was fantastic. Play, but yeah, action, the story was violence. It's, it's an easy watch, <laughs> isn't it? Come on, these films are easy watches. I, oh look, it's a successful action franchise. Let's talk about this for an hour. Then we'll move on. <laughs> hey. Other triggers that you might be aware of are, are Spectre. Please don't mention Spectre. I mean, that's a bad road to go down on this podcast. Um, Ross that's is, both of us. That's, that's both of us. Me. Yeah, he's biting his lips. And um, oh. you know, and, and Chris, you might know this one, but but there's a there's a film called He Who Dares. Um, he Who Dares. Which what is it? He, the, the he British, Who Dares. Why am I saying it? Yeah, don't, yeah, don't go down that road because that just yeah. yeah there's a dark road. Anyway, <laughs> Lee. Good shout, Peppermint. Who's next on the on the round robin? Let's go to Eva. Can are you there? <laughs> She's looking at us. Eva's looking yeah, at us. I don't think she could hear us. Oh, hello, hello. Oh, I am here. My connection is pants. Mike, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you hear me? All right, is it okay? absolutely fine? Lovely. Right. So the the, the film that I watched last. Um, it's a film that I've seen quite a few times, which is odd considering the film itself. So I don't know if you've seen a horror film called The Boy by chance. Like it is yeah. nuts. Have you seen I it? I really liked it. I actually yeah. really liked it. And I, I like really it. like it. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I've not seen the second one, but what I love watching it, because the first time it blew my tiny mind. And then <laughs> and then I've watched it like two other times with new people and I love watching their responses when they find out, obviously. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like I think I told I might have even talked to Phil about this pre, on a previous episode. I watched them both like in a, when the second one came out. I watched them mm. like in a row, and I was really not expecting. So I thought the boy was just going to be like, eh, you know, like just uh, like yet another insidious or whatever. And they're not bad films necessarily, but I don't find them very interesting. And the boy was surprisingly compelling. And then the second one, even though you oh, kind of know what's going to happen, yeah, Brahms. It's really, I found them both really enjoyable and I was surprised. I, I'll be honest, I haven't actually seen either of them yet. Um, but you it's do, it's the sort of thing where, dude, you'd see the cover and you go, eh, really? And I was, <laughs> well, like the, you said, the like, cover, really good. The cover, like, the are, we, are, we, are we in the 90s? Dude, again, Ross? Back, yes, I'm back in blockbusters. All right. Oh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I lament those days. Um, mm. cool. Uh, Aoife, who is next on the round robin? Let's go, Natasha. Oh, Natasha, over to you. Lovely. I don't know if you've seen, it was out last year. It's got Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage in it, and it's called I Care A Lot. Oh. I watched that last week. Oh, you don't sound enthused No, it. no, I liked it. I liked it a lot, <laughs> right, actually. Good. Yeah. I, my, my issue with it is, my only issue with it is it's got a little bit of Wolf of Wall Street syndrome. Oh, by the way, that's the other trigger. Don't go there. Um, <laughs> that will just, Ross will just forever. But it's got a little bit of that in that, that everyone's so unlikable that, yeah. I, that you have to really enjoy the story that they're telling to get past yeah. the fact that everyone's quite horrible. The story's fucked up as well, to be honest. It's like, watching it totally. thinking, oh my God, I thought this could not be a true story, but 
Yeah, I, I thought it was good, but you're right, they are really unlikable. And you're watching Rosamund Pike's sort of story and you're thinking, when's she going to get her comeuppance? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, what I do like is it's... One of the things that I like about Peter Dinklage, and I find this really interesting, is they now... He doesn't no longer get cast as a, a little person anymore, right? He, yeah. He gets cast as an actor. And yeah. they almost... T- yeah. Nowadays, they almost turn around and go, we don't care about particularly your size we're going to put you in and this role he's like a proper vicious badass. gangster yeah. badass gangster yeah i know and badass. the height thing is it's not i don't even think in the whole film it's referenced no well, same as dude do you remember the x-men film but that, i think that was the first film that that kind of happened in remember yeah. the x-men sequel he did and they kind of he's just in it and they don't talk about his stature at all like which is I good mean, obviously how good is that where you it's get great. to the point where that that no you cast people because of their talent rather than because of like, like they're physical. Yeah, yeah, they're physical, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Maybe I should go back to being an actor. I could get cast on talent rather than my looks. <laughs> to be fair, I'd be screwed on both. <laughs> what am I, who am I kidding? Natasha, who is next? We're down Seven. to, I think, just the last two now, Nicholas and Joe. Let's go with Nicholas. Click on that. Yes. Yeah. Ah, those are great choices. I like those. Um, the Greatest Showman. Oh, musical. Nicholas, I love you. <laughs> Who said that? I love that film. That was Ross. Ross. Not a tree, I love that. Ross, I love that film. So, I love that film. So Honestly, much. just I'd be I'd watched it ages ago on streaming, and then whilst I was working recently, I wanted some background music on and stumbled across the the um, soundtrack to it, and I was just, I was playing it, <laughs> driving my husband crazy because I'm playing it at least four or five times a day, just continuously having it on loop. And I just thought, I've got to buy this. And actually had a chance to sit down and watch the um, Blu-ray with all the extras. So literally watched the film, then watched all the extras. And it's just wonderful. So have you have, have you watched the um, the two there's two featurettes on YouTube or wherever about the making of it, which is the you see the the um the green light session where they sing all the songs. Yes. Have you seen those? Because they make me yes. cry. Every yes. time. Yes. Yeah. And I watched the, the one of um, This Is Me uh, yeah. twice. Yes. Yeah. Because incredible. just as much for, Cho, uh, for Hugh Jackman's reaction. Yes. When during... he grabs her hand, when he takes her hand, it makes me cry. You can see I, I don't, cry. You can see I'm not ashamed. crying. I'm it's, not ashamed to admit it. I, think it's I need to see this. I, I saw, I think, you like, haven't seen the dude. No, I've oh, seen The Greatest goodness. Showman, obviously. Oh, phew. Right. Right. And, like, Jesus Christ, mate. I've, I've even got, like, <laughs> Like you're talking to one of the biggest fans of musicals ever, right? Like, yeah. like you will randomly find me in my car, sat at traffic light, belting out tunes from the Rocky Horror Show, um, <laughs> like with no embarrassment whatsoever. In fact, I think the other day I was walking the dog, swinging, singing "Sweet Transvestite" on the seafront of Eastbourne. You do get some bloody strange looks doing that, I'll be honest. Um, but no, I haven't seen the. That was the fishnet stockings, darling. Yeah, yeah to be fair, that does give it away um, just a little bit. Uh, but no, look, 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 I, look, Nicholas, that's such a great show. The Greatest Showman is one of the most joyfully beautiful films. Yeah. I One day I'm going to do that and then I'm going to watch Hamilton afterwards. And then I think I might just stop because yeah. I don't think a day could get better than that, could it? I mean, that's like the most uplifting two, two musicals. Do you, guys, you do you guys remember when the film first came out, there were all these criticisms that like Barnum was, was a bastard in real life. And, and it's like, enjoy the movie. Oh, come on. Enjoy the just enjoy the film. He, the second time around, he changed. Yeah, but Kermode's first. Kermode's like, first. Just review, enjoy the film. Like he literally said, there is not a memorable song <laughs> in that film. I'm like, 
what the fuck? Like, then, like then he really? went back. Twenty minutes ago, he then went back with a bigger, like a bigger audience. Yeah, to like one of the singalongs, and then he sort of got it. I mean, I've seen The Greatest Showman in a sing-along on stage. I've seen it, like, I I regularly put my vinyl out. I mean, God, I mean, I'm I'm all in on this one, by the way. I regularly put the vinyl album on in the kitchen while I'm cooking and just have that blasting out, Um, you know. I continuously, there was a time two summers ago, I keep thinking last year, but the last year was a write-off, when I did so much travelling across the summer. I mean, I literally went, like, I can't remember. It was, like, Melbourne, Auckland, Melbourne, L.A., the UK, Belgium, but like, and I just continuously had the film on. Like, I just watched it, like, all the set pieces. I just mm. kept watching the set pieces again and again. Beautiful. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. So That's I think this, we're now down to Joe. <laughs> yeah, over to Joe. Last but certainly not least. I'm shocked that no one's mentioned this one. I, I had two, because I've watched a couple of films recently, and I thought someone would say this one by now, but they haven't. Uh, Justice League, Snyder Cut, um, jumping in on the... Uh, Four hour epic. Four hour epic. Oh, bit of an Ooh. echo. Sorry, oh, echo there. All done. Yeah. We, uh, no, Joe, we actually talked about it on the last episode. We saw it We saw it last week. Ah. Lee, sorry, Lee was actually happened. shaking his head at mention of the Snyder Cut then. I like that was a great reaction. It was just like. It, was, it wasn't really about the film. It was more about, I don't think I've got the time in my schedule to watch it. That's yeah. the thing. It yeah. doesn't feel that long, dude. It doesn't no. feel, it doesn't feel like four hours. It most, by very quick, surprisingly quickly. Most people have, I've spoken to have actually watched it in like a couple of different bits. I I just basically sat down at, at, at I, I finished work, sat down at half five, got interrupted a few times. Um, actually, no reflection on the film. Actually, fell asleep half an hour before the end because I was just so tired. Woke up and then had to rewatch. So like my, I think a four. I made managed to make the four hour film about seven hours, which was you know. <laughs> I, I literally, I was not expecting to watch it the day of it coming out. Um, I, I thought I'll watch it the weekend. And then it came, it was on at eight o'clock. And I thought, do I, do I dare? I looked at the clock. I thought that'd be around 12 o'clock. But yeah, put it on. And yeah, like I said, I watched most of it. Uh, fell asleep a little bit. So I had to rewind a bit, but I hate, I hated the first one. And I really yeah. had high hopes for this, this one. And I, I really love, I really enjoyed it. I, you know, what he added to it, and I like obviously having Cyborg as much more of a better character. You know, he had a lot more of his backstory, and um, yeah, it's the Justice League I think we all wanted in the end. So yeah, I, I think really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, it's fair to say I was, uh, I, I have been shitting on the just the concept of this film for a very long time. Um, I'm just like, great, a four hour Zack Snyder film. Well, that sounds fun because the two and a half hour ones are so enjoyable normally. But actually, weirdly, giving him more time, more freedom, and less constraints work. And I never thought I'd utter those words. Um, I actually quite enjoy it. Anyone else in the Snyder cut? We won't go to Chris. What did you think? What were your thoughts? I think if you, what's interesting about it is if it's a really interesting sort of, if you look at the, the two cuts, like the Joss Whedon one, if you'd given me the Snyder script, I would have made exactly the same changes. I would have gone, yes, you need some sort of human element. You need to sort yeah. of, you need to start with Batman and center it around that. Like, but I think it's a really interesting sort of experiment in like screenwriting craft versus just passion, because I think the Snyder cut is way better. And it, most of it doesn't make any more sense. Most of it, most of those things, <laughs> most of those problems are still there. But I think just because he's got this sort of clarity of the vision and and you sort of, he's, yeah, he's given the time to just go and do his crazy stuff. You sort of go along with it more. 
than you do when they're trying to fix that with logic. <laughs> it's, do you know, it's interesting, and I think that's a really good point. And I think there's something to be said for for interference of a studio against the ability to make an independent film on your own merit. Yeah, and that it's brings good. us quite nicely to. <laughs> look at it, look at it, folks. I like the uh, way that you're actually signalling what you're doing. You see, I, it's really funny. Like, I, I genuinely, I'm so proud of that. That's probably the only link I've ever attempted in my life, and it almost worked if I hadn't have given it away. <laughs> so slick. So thank you, Lee. Thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk bank massacre. <laughs> no, seriously, uh, like what is he? What? Like no, but what, are you, what are you doing? What are you seriously, doing? We're, we're like we are like there's a lot of independent films that have come out from everyone on this call right like it's fair to say that, that there's a there's a there's a, a a very big fan of independent cinema on this um on this call and i think you know i think it does lead in quite nicely to paper massacre so ross over to you you can ask some questions now i can shut up for a bit what yeah okay right hello everyone um so I'll start with some really basic, obvious questions for people. How the hell are we going to speak to so many people? Um, let's start with let, let's start with how the project came to be, uh, and I guess that would be a question to Joe slash Chris, Chris slash Joe, in terms of how did you come up with your amazing ideas, uh, and like how, how did the project get off the ground? I guess Let, let's talk a little bit about how how you developed the script and sort of how you decided what it was going to be, you know, in its in its original form. Okay. Um... How long we got? <laughs> um, Guys, this, this bit's going to be 70 minutes. Then we're going to okay. move on to casting, okay. which will be half an hour. Um, yeah, I think from the beginning, this film actually is built on, um, I suppose, slight false promises. I've, I was working on a film for about a year and I put my heart and soul into it and then it all fell through. Um, it was very frustrating from my... My perspective, I had all these resources at my disposal and nothing to use them for. So this um, this idea was brought to me by someone we all know, Brendan, um, at the other producer on Paintball. And it was initially just an idea of people going paintballing and they get killed the way they work. Simple idea. And I was like, okay, I like this, you know. And it was just developing that idea with me and Brendan back and forth, trying to get the idea what connects them all and who this killer could be and you know why they're killing them and i brought in the idea of a school reunion and then that brought in some more ideas who the killer could be and that point we had a good good kind of breakdown and we then approached our amazing writer chris and that's a perfect jump to chris <laughs> yeah and chris i think you took that took the idea and just yeah brought the whole thing to life so yeah over to you chris for this yeah, well, I guess I mean, yeah, like Joe said, that that's what that's what it started with was this idea of the these uh, people going paintballing and it being around around the school reunion, and that's what that's what I was given, and I think a few of the um, a few of the characters, in terms of their jobs, were established because that related to the deaths. So there were a few death scenes already kind of worked out, hmm. um, uh, and that was that was what what I started with. And then it it, it was it was really important to me. I, I have this this bugbear about Sasha films that. Where you, I hate it when you don't care about the characters. Like I think there's this idea in Sasha films that like, oh, who cares about the characters? Because you just want to see them die anyway. And for me, it's like, well, if I don't care about them, then I don't care if they die. So I wanted to really make sure that the characters were they, they're not. And it's different from them being likable. They don't necessarily need to be likable, but they just need to be interesting so that you, they seem like real people that you care about. Um, so sorry, just that, thought, that's, 
yeah. just on that point, I, I think you're right about them not having to be likable. They just have to be interesting, right? I love to hate a f- character in a slasher film as much as I love to love a character in the slasher film. But what you don't want is a character in a slasher film that you just can't remember and just yeah. you have no feelings of on, right? So like you want to cheer when, when the guy who's a complete arsehole finally gets killed. You're just like, yes! And then you realise, crap, am I cheering the wrong person here? But yeah, no, I totally take that point. I think it's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what that's what I started with is working out who these people are. I wanted to make sure they were all different and all had their own kind of um, sort of characteristics and things. And um, uh, and from then it was kind of working out, uh, um, sort of working out what the framework was going to be. And I kind of approached it through. Um, it was something I talked a bit to Darren, the director, about but doing it like an Agatha Christie type story, um, because if you look at the um, like particularly and then there were none uh, there's there's it's very much like a prototype for the what would become the slasher movie like you know 10 characters go to an island and then get killed off one by one and they're trying to figure out um who's doing it and i think that was that was the, that was the key for me because once i once i'd sort of figured out okay that's how i'm going to do it i'm not going to kind of just look at existing slasher films but look at sort of like the christie style mysteries then uh, it, it, the whole thing started to fall into place so i was like okay that's that's what they're doing in between trying to survive they're trying to work out who's who's doing it um and it kind of developed from there yeah when we we had the yeah. script uh it's one of with we, we planned to make this film a lot smaller than it ended up being you know we were thinking okay we're not going to have a lot of budget so let's have minimal locations minimal cast and, you know one point we're thinking about shooting this at weekends and just trying like like you've done with tender men where you shot it throughout a long period to get it you know, it wasn't just one shoot. And then, I don't know, this film just went and we ended up having quite a lot of cast members and uh, a large, one large location. And yeah, it was, um, it just grew from there, really. It, it's funny, Joe, uh, you mentioned that because yeah. I think that was an original plan because Chris, you were the writer of 10 Dead Men. Yeah. Ross, director, Lee, you were in 10 Dead Men as well. It's a bit of a reunion by accident today. <laughs> um but I mean, originally, I think that was kind of one of the initial ideas behind 10 Dead Men was to make something quite small and quite simple. Mm. And it's amazing how many times you start with this great idea of doing something small and simple and then all of a sudden find yourself with like something that just isn't that anymore. Um, and, then, and then you had explosions and things. Yeah. And, um, and, yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, one of the things I liked about, I, I don't know if they were all in the script initially, but the way the kills work in the film some 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 of them were interesting to me because obviously you don't always see every kill if that makes sense you don't always see you don't see it's really interesting to me because there are like moments of gore that are very prominent and then there's some things that you just don't see because of course you don't have to see everything i was going to ask uh, chris and obviously but chris in terms of being the writer did you in the screenplay was it kind of explicit what would be seen on screen or what was um no or i did think, you think, write, in, the, you I think in the script the and then they, it just said what what happened to them but i think right. i mean i i think with um well i mean there were certain ones like like with um like with natasha's character and Eva's character when they when they i don't want to spoil it but like they kind of <laughs> they are they are discovered later so in those in yes. those moments that 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 those deaths weren't necessarily in in the script but um... oh no you spoiled now chris like we know people <laughs> yeah, die in the film oh. i mean for example there's a death there's a death where cheryl's character is involved but like not seeing what's happening if you see what without spoiling anything and i was wondering was that kind of in the script or was it 
you know what I'm getting at? Like, I think that or, or was, was in the it? script, but I think that, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I think, I think it was a mix of, uh, Joe, Joe can probably say more than I can, but I think it was, it was a, yeah. a lot to do with practical reasons. And, but also I think it's it sort of worked out better when, than the ones yeah. you can't see. Oh, for sure. Like I say, I, what I liked is there's kind of like a nice blend of, the film isn't afraid to show you gory moments, which are sadly lacking in a lot of horror films these days, quite, quite bluntly. But then also it, it chooses not to show. And like I say, look, all coming from production, we're aware that sometimes it's budgetary, sometimes it's, you know, mm. there are many reasons why you show things or don't show things kind of thing. Um, I was just wondering how much that was kind of intentional from the writing stage and then, you know, then what sort of changed kind of thing. I think, I think on the production side, uh, like you said, you got to balance, you know, time and money. And um, I think actually a lot of the deaths, we, we we were a little bit rushed on set. I think they were, you know, we weren't able to capture as much as we would like. Um, there's never so enough time. When it no, comes to effects, time, there's never enough, enough, enough time. You know, especially in Natasha's reveal, should I say, yeah. not the actual death itself. That initially we, I know Darren had an idea of doing the whole full body situation and that just wasn't the case i think they had maybe three 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 four hours i don't know to do that makeup um but um i think it was also during the development of the script i'm sure chris will agree we really were struggling on what what genre is this film because we had this comedy element we had the horror element we had a little bit of an action element and i think there was juggling kind of where this film fits i think it's a bit of a hybrid of horror and comedy and i think having the i suppose the aftermath of the killings um not all the killings is kind of giving that belly we didn't want to have it a full on gore fest i think that's the yeah. key not having it too much bloody because some films do over the top and i think we i think we've got a happy balance in the end and um i think obviously the couple of deaths were very key as well Quite, yeah. you know, and I think uh, definitely one of them, the first opening death, I think that's quite important. Uh, and um, uh, Natasha's, and also Sarah, we're not going to say how she dies, but again, that's a, that's a, it's more than a death in that scene because it's a little bit of um, the friendship, the story between Jessica yes. Bentley, played by Cheryl, and um, Sarah Ryan by Aoife, um, because there's a long running kind of thing going on throughout the film. I think the film's more, you know, has a lot more. Uh, behind it a lot in depth about obviously well, friendship that's going on. I was going to come on to, it's exactly what I was going to come on to in terms of the relationships let's bring in the cast here as well to talk about obviously how they got involved and, and how they saw the characters possibly um, we were um, again Joe, Joe maybe talk to us a little bit about how you approached the casting and then let's bring in each you know each in turn about how they got involved yeah, so independent film, we can afford a cast and director. So myself, uh, Brendan, uh, and a little bit of help from Darren, we, we, we kind of were sourcing people that we've worked with before. Sorry, Joe, one second. Joe, was, Phil, are you picking up a sort of yeah, crackly thing? I am, weirdly. Uh, sorry, guys. One sec. There. Is there anything we can do? We, do we need to test anything? I I, th I think it's just one of those like one of the risks of having a lot of people on that that, that sometimes signals and stuff. But well, I, I'll, everyone's I'll on myself. Should we yeah. should we just go back? Should we just sort of Joe? Should we just start that little bit again? Yeah, start that bit again. And then uh, just and then just uh, so let me then, let me just pause the recording. Start the recording. There you go. Okay, go Joe, on, do you want to? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll start again. Okay. So uh, okay. So that brings us onto the. So I'll start again. So that brings us on to the casting aspect of the film. Joe, do you want to talk to us a little bit about uh, like how you sort of approach the casting of the film? Uh, and then let's talk to each of the cast in turn about how they got involved and, and kind of how you guys saw your relationships in the film with, with the different characters. 
Yeah, so um, as an independent film, we didn't have budget to employ a cast and directors. So it's all through myself, our producer Brendan, a little bit of um, advice from our da uh, Darren, the director. Um, and we wanted to work with people that we've worked with before, but we wanted to pick people that could do the role really well. You know, not just because they're friends, but we knew they could take that role and really run with it. I think the first person we approached was our friend, Shel Berniston, who we worked with on a film, uh, Sassy Face film, Babes of Blades, Flower Sarnia. Um, and yeah, we, we approached Cheryl and she was really eager. So she jumped on board and then, um, and then Lee was quite early on. We uh, spoke to uh, Lee again through connections, working on 10 Dem Men. Uh, I think we offered you a couple of roles. Uh, it was either Matt or uh, Nathan. Uh, we can obviously discuss how, which one you chose. Um, Aoife, we actually approached you through Twitter, if I remember. Um, it, we, I think the your show came across um, uh, um, Darren's, um, I don't know, he was watching shows and saw your show and thought you'd be fantastic. So we actually, good old social media, dropped you a message on Twitter and we were able to hook up there. Um, Actually, Natasha's role was the only one we ended up doing a casting call for because it was such a key mm. role. And we we were struggling to find Lauren Bryce in, uh, in all the group that we had. Uh, so we put a casting call out and through connections of Chris, I believe, and, and kind of pushed you forward. And we, yeah, it all just happened there. And then again, Nicholas, um, this, Nicholas's role was weird because Somerset, I'm sure Chris mentioned this, is we weren't sure how this role was going to be. We had moments where it could be very comical. We were looking at people like Martin Clunes at right. one point playing the barman or Larry Lamb. And um, <coughs> can yeah, I just say, sorry, Joe, can I just say that when, when you said Martin Clunes, Nicholas <laughs> genuinely was laughing. Uh, that was such, like You won't see this because we're not doing the video. That was such a genuinely brilliant yeah. reaction of, hold on, you started at Martin Clunes. <laughs> Work down, basically. <laughs> oh my god! Again, this is independent filmmaking. As a producer, I was looking at actors who lived in my area because well, we couldn't afford to pay a premium price for someone who coming in for so many days. It was only two two days, I think, Nicholas. So I was like, okay, and actually, I've got right. connections yeah. in Martin Clunes. One of my martial arts students went out with his daughter, so it was a little bit of connection. I was trying to go there, see if it happened. It didn't pull off, but. I loved how it turned out because we we're able to put um, Nicholas in the film. And there was a moment where at the beginning of the film, there's this reunion and I want, we had to have some sort of horror kind of suspense moment in that part to start setting up the film, what's to come later. And that's what happened with Somerset and the barman and the story, the Nicholas portrayed. I think we got, uh, I got again, Nick, uh, Chris put us in touch with yourself and it just happened like that. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was very, um, it was a fun process. And um, and I think, again, it's the script, you know, having a great script from Chris. I think everyone agreed when they read it, it was it had legs. And I think from there, so yeah, I think, I suppose to go in the roles, it was Cheryl, you know, when you got approached about painful. So yeah, yeah, so Cheryl, talk to us a little bit about how you interpreted the character and the relationships you were gonna have in the film. And uh, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, so Darren came to me with the script and um, what was really nice about being like cast first was I could kind of, I had a little bit of an inkling as like who was being cast like next. So I kind of had the script, um, could see like uh, when 
Darren approached Aoife and I remember him calling me and saying oh I've come across this showreel he was so Aoife he was so excited about your showreel um so he sent it to me and it was really nice just to kind of see who he had in mind um, and who you guys had in mind for casting and stuff um again having Lee on board as well very excited with that um so uh, and then yeah when when we were trying to cast Lauren I remember he was just like I just can't find the right girl I just I can't do it you know and that's when they decided to do casting calls and um when uh when they met you Natasha I'm very happy I got a very happy phone call to say we we found her we found Lauren I'm like that's great um so it kind of all came together which was really nice to kind of be able to oversee that having been in it from the beginning um and Jessica god bless her god love her she she just she just didn't want to be there. She wasn't supposed to be there. And I think she just, you know, she was this one character that was like, God, I could be at home running a hot bath with some candles and a glass of wine. But instead, I'm stuck out here in a cold quarry playing paintball. Um, and both actor and character. Um, <laughs> and so, um... how, how much of that, I'm stuck in a quarry playing paintball, <laughs> was real? And how much was it acting? Because it felt, yeah. it felt pretty, I mean, it felt pretty realistic, if I'm honest. It, <laughs> it, it was cold, um, but it was good. It meant that our locations were working. You know, um, we created an atmosphere and um, a vibe that, that we needed as actors to, to, con to convey how our characters were feeling. So, you know, it all, it all helps a lot. Um, but yeah, so Jessica's dealing with her own demons. She's got her own issues and this just isn't something else that she needs to be dealing with right now. And, you know, that one of those really small things of the, I left my keys in the car or, you know, I forgot this, I forgot that. And then that just snowballs into the film and you just go, oh, if only I didn't lock my keys in the car, then I could literally be in that bath right now. Um, but instead mayhem and chaos is, is happening around me and the way she deals with it. I mean, she's a psychiatric nurse. So she's seen stuff and she's you know she's she's been through things and she you know she's a tough cookie but at the end of the day she just never expected this so it kind of just it, everything is just a huge surprise I mean as obviously for all the characters but um I think especially for Jessica in the sense that she was just like what's it shouldn't fucking be here <laughs> and that's a that's a great that's a kind of a great kind of um trope of the horror film isn't it the, the, the kind of the reluctant uh reluctant hero stroke victim um always a fan of lee i just want to bring you in on this so i like i was actually like your arc in the film is is really interesting right it's it's absolutely not what i was expecting at the beginning of the film and, and how that develops so talk me through a how that was in terms to play and and b what the you know what the, i guess the appeal of it yeah i think with nathan's character it's that that is the appeal, if I'm honest. It's there's a bit of everything in there. It's not it's not just the, the firefighter sort of action role, which he you know becomes nearer the end of the movie. It's it's very much what's going on inside, I think, with him and what he's been through, and 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 where he is. Because not to give anything away, obviously the film opens on a very poignant moment with him, um, and it could go one way or the other. And then there's a, a phone call that kind of just sort of changes that and I think with him it's more well I've kind of got nothing to lose let's just see what this is all about and he kind of doesn't really want to be there and all the memories of what happened to him in the past come flooding back and I think in that scene where we're all in the bar together and all the boys are chanting away and being the lads and he's kind of hanging back and thinking yeah do I really want to be here I'm not sure and it's only when Jess sort of comes into play 
that he perks up a bit and there's a little bit of light in his eyes again and he sort of moves forward. And I love the scene that myself and Cheryl did just outside the pub where it shows yeah. his quirkiness and his vulnerability and all that, which is a massive contrast, as you've said, to the very end um, where he's actually starting to take charge and take lead with, with what's going on. And I think that's the fireman in him coming through because like... Um, Cheryl's character you know she's seen a lot in her job and I think he's also seen a lot in his job as well you know the good and the bad that comes of being a fireman but also it affects immensely with what these guys actually did to him when he was at school he was an outcast he was in the chess club he wasn't one of the popular jocks and things like that um so yeah there's there is a massive arc to his character it's a great thing to play because it's almost like you've got two sides going on and you have to develop to that rather than just being straight narrow either you're a action fighter or you're just a fireman or you're just a nerd you know you've got to sort of take it all on uh, so see lee great. i think i think nathan was just years ahead of his time right because chess is now the coolest thing on the planet exactly man. so so actually like like now now all those chess geeks that are at school they're the heroes and everyone's looking at them going, oh, you're cool because Queen's Gambit has completely changed. Yeah, I'm not sure he could take on the Queen's Gambit, but he's probably quite good at chess. <laughs> I, uh, when, when watching the film, I had this horrible feeling in that opening scene that you were going to jump off that bridge. That's a good spoiler. That's how, you know, <laughs> well, no, well, you know, whatever. Well, it's, it's in the first scene, isn't it? But um, I honestly, I don't know if that was intent. Like, well, I presume everything in the film was intentional, but like, I just had this feeling that he was going to, yeah, jump or considering I, jumping or something. Yeah, that, that's part of it. This, that's, you yeah. know, it's sort of what he's gone through and that's the stage he's come to in his life with how he's redeveloped himself from being that person that was bullied and the outcast and whatever at school to, to growing, to becoming stronger, to finding himself, to becoming a fireman. But then seeing all the crap that he's seen with that job, he's just at a point in his life where he's not sure he wants to go on and that's definitely what it's meant to be at the beginning of the film, 100%. Okay. At, at the so, beginning... Oh, I'll just add on that, Ross, if you don't yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. In the script, we had an introduction to every of the characters. And the idea right. at the beginning was to have a split screen, like I'm looking at you guys now, of everyone doing their job, daily job. So we had that introduction of, you know, what they're doing. Everyone knows what their job is. Hence, obviously, they understand the killings. Um, we shot about four, four or five during the principal photography. And a couple worked. A couple just didn't really hit the, hit the tone right. And when we brought it back into the editing suite, me and Chris were kind of cogitating, do we keep these scenes or is, is there enough yeah. substance in the pub, uh, pub sequences to, to people to understand who, you know, their jobs? And we agreed that there's enough in the pub sequence for everyone to get who, who and what they're doing, except we wanted the opening to be a lot more impactful. So that scene of Lee's we shot in the pickups because we felt you can't really start a film in a car park of a pub. So yeah, we chose with Chris, we went, we got, I think that's going to really make a difference. Definitely there's a line in, uh, later in the film, uh, you know, today's a good day. You know, it sounds weird. Yeah. That line I think makes so much more sense with the opening of the film and how Nathan his cat, you know, goes throughout the whole film. So yeah, that. So yeah, we did have everyone's little introductions, but um, they they ended up falling on the floor. Joe, do you know what uh, that scene that was missing? Makes sense. That scene when Lee, as it was a pickup shop, was missing you CGIing out his mustache. I mean, that was oh, sorry, Justice League joke. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? Wow. If it leads to me playing Superman, I'll be for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so um, moving on to Aoife. Um So knowing. Chris, as well as I do, and have and, and having shared a very specific birthday with him, 
Mm-hmm. Was it two years ago, Chris? Because last year was a total write-off. I think you're no, it, was, it, was, it was last year. It feels like two years ago. It, it was... Yeah, no, you're right. No, it was. It was last January, was it? Um, and Cheryl will remember this as well. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this. We went down... We all travelled across the country to Chris's birthday in Brighton. It was, it was my 40th, so it was... A... It was fantastic. Oh, it was fantastic. And it was basically a scavenger hunt, which was great, and led us around Brighton. And the end result was... Uh, that the thing we were all looking for, that Chris was looking for, was the film to watch on his on his, uh, his birthday party in the evening, which his was favorite film. His, his favorite, favorite film. film. His favorite film. Chris. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Of course, it's Tokyo Drift. The third, the third Fast the and Furious film. Fast my Chris, favorite one. <laughs> which is set about eight years after the first film, or something weird like that in the chronology of it all. Or yeah, something weird. Or has it been eight years? No, I can't remember. I can't, it's too confusing. I, yeah. It's more confusing than most people it, it happens after six. It's it's it feels like the entirety of that film is eight years long. <laughs> it, it, it is amazing, but Fast and Furious franchise is more confusing than your typical time travel movie. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I will, I will never forget Cheryl turning around to Chris at that party and saying, Chris, have we all travelled here to watch Fast and Furious and Tokyo Drift? And Chris just went, yes. So it was, and and I it was amazing. I've lost so much respect for you since. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was that, so, so actually, getting on to Eva, how uh, aware were you that the um, that the Fast and Furious content uh, for your character was uh, literally part of Chris's deeply held religious beliefs? I had absolutely no idea. Like this is brand new news to me, but it makes a lot of sense. Like, why not? Why not shoehorn it in there? Why not? You know create a whole character around your favourite film. I mean, yeah, do it. <laughs> One of the things that occurred to me was that it'd be really easy to play the Fast and Furious stuff kind of wacky, you know, kind of zany. Uh, Aoife, maybe tell us a little bit about I, I liked how it was kind of more naturalistic and more sort of, you know, matter of fact. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so my idea was that, um, yeah, as I said, I, I don't, I know a lot of sort of, as we all do, like stoner characters that aren't really that classic, like, hey man, I'm really still, and I was trying my hardest, not in a comedy horror film, not to play that, you know, that stereotype. So I just thought to to sort of like do that, I just, you know, rather than play those Fast and Furious lines as if, you know, she's trying to impress anyone or anything like that, or trying to be wacky about it, I feel like it would be funnier if she really genuinely actually really believed that. (laughs) So that was my, um, my sort of go-to with that character um yeah <laughs> yeah well I like that because it's more off the cuff and it just felt more yeah like you'd be talking to anyone about yeah by the way you know you know what life's really like you know that kind of thing so um <laughs> let's get to you oh oops sorry I didn't hear that you're right there Ross now that yeah guys. Clear. yeah clear enough yeah. Okay, good. So, Natasha, moving on to yourself, let, let, let's talk a little bit about, about how you got involved, uh, tell us about your character and the relationships with the characters in the film. Yeah, so as Joe mentioned earlier, my character was the only one that actually had a casting call for it. So I was doing yeah. the rounds, applying on the casting networks and saw the job, uh, applied for it. And then Chris sent me a script. It was like a couple of monologues that I had. I think it was more the heartfelt one where she had a realisation where her character changes a bit, um, as well as a sassy one as well sent them back, met up with Darren. um, And then I think I heard it was like between me and another girl. I remember Cheryl telling me. And because Cheryl was besties with Darren, she helped 
pick me for my Instagram. <laughs> so I had some modeling pictures. Thank you, Cheryl. Um, so yeah, really happy to uh, be part of the team. I was gonna I was gonna ask as well, like because of your character's like status, like like in terms of like being famous and, and so forth in the world of the film, she comes across as like really intense. What what do you put that down to? Um what in intensity is as in she seems well, she seems to be like, I mean, obviously she's super direct with everyone, but there seems to be this kind of like, she's always seems to be, I don't know, there, there might be the stereotype of like a famous person is almost being kind of flighty or whimsical or, you know what I mean? Or, yeah, or yeah. whatever. And actually she comes across as being quite direct and kind of, fuck you, this is what we're doing or this yeah. is what I'm doing, which yeah. I really like. Because again, it's a different attitude. You could call it, it'd be really easy to call it bitchy, you know, like particularly if you relate it to other, dare I say, archetypes and slasher movies particularly. But, like, it doesn't come across that way, at least not to me. It kind of comes across... Don't get me wrong, you may not necessarily like this person, you know, like, you know, you may not warm to her necessarily. But it comes across like she's like, we're fucking doing this, I know what I want, and you, you were going to do it anyway. Yeah. And, like, do you put that down? I mean, is that something you sort of, like, pushed into your set, you know, like, came up with yourself? Or did you read into that? You know, what, what kind of... She, she seems to be very... Um, a bitch. Like, like, like you say, well, no, yeah. I, I mean, you could say, it's easy, it's, what I mean is that's really easy to say, and you could, yeah, right, on, on the on the outside, right? Um, but I, I don't know, I just found, like, I was sort of wondering where it kind of comes from. I wasn't sitting there going, well, she's a bitch. I was kind of wondering where it comes from, given her, if you like, status. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like you might normally associate that kind of behaviour with, like, I don't know, somebody who's bitter, or, or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Or, or yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I just, I just wondering where maybe like how that sort of developed, or, or did you think that was already there? You know what I mean? I'm just wondering like on that well, note. When I was sent the script from Chris, it, it was strange. I feel like I was born to play the role, <laughs> even though I'm nothing like her. Um, I, it's just really well written. So well done, Chris. It was really well written, and you're right. Like as I said, she's a bitch. She is a bitch, but she's a likable bitch. I hoped that's how I played it. Like you might not necessarily like her, but the you know that there's like levels to her. So she she basically says what everyone's thinking. She's I, I feel like the way I played her for a whole life, she's always just got her own way um, and not really had to, had to answer to anyone. So she's right. yeah, she's got sass and, and balls about her. She, she doesn't really care what anyone thinks. So it's not something that like, for example, not to go too deep on it, on it, but you feel like it's something that she was always like rather than something that had kind of happened to her because she became a famous person sort of thing. No, no, I think she was always like that. I mean, not to get too deep and actor yeah. but like as an actor, you, you should develop a backstory to her. So I did have a backstory that her home life was quite rough for her. Right. And that's why she had a bit of, well, a bit of rough <laughs> towards everyone else. That's why she was a bit... Sure, yeah. Because, you know, she obviously had it hard at home. So she just, you know, she didn't want to answer to anyone as she got older. And obviously right. she she'd never really... Oh, she was like the popular one in school and then developed in life and pretty much got like a dream job as a model. So it almost right. seems like she was handed everything on a plate. But for me, I played it as Shadow Back. Sorry, she had a rough childhood. So, you know, yeah. Not everyone gets yeah, everything to him. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's really great. That's really nice. uh, moving on to Nicholas, sir. Hello. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, oh, fair okay. that, it's fair to say that you're, if nothing else, a veteran of the genre. Um, <laughs> and I, Makes me sound like a car. 
well, hopefully like a reconditioned. I don't, I don't know cars. So so I, I'm kind of like the anti-Fast and Furious. I don't know anything about that stuff. But no, look, look, I suppose what I'm getting to is, and again, maybe this comes to Chris for the writing as well. Um, I looked at Somerset as sort of being, and, and uh, forgive the name, in Friday the 13th, there's this character called Crazy Ralph. Um, your character doesn't come across as crazy, but Crazy Ralph, and, and they're... they're, they're this character's in a lot of horror movies and slasher movies. He tends to be like the prophet of doom. He tends to be the person sort of don't go up there. While your character doesn't, I mean, he does sort of say it, but it's, it's a much more interesting version of that. Uh, and I was wondering again, how much of that was in the script and how much was that you, if you like spinning it and developing it as an actor, because it feels like the character is there to give a warning, but it's a fairly insincere warning. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like what, what, what I'm getting at is the quarry isn't haunted. You know what I mean? It's sort of, you know. Yeah, I think I think I'm talking. I remember talking to Joe once. We I think in the car on the way back to the train station after I'd done my couple of days, and we were talking about you know, just who the hell is Somerset? Um, right. And why is he in this movie? Because he does. The, the other thing I always think of is Scooby Doo. You know, sure, of course. Yeah, but I go to the factory. It's haunted. Yeah. Um, which is kind of fun and I love the story it's um you know that I think we've mentioned before that the reason he's called Somerset he didn't actually have a character name in the original script he was I think he was just bartender or barman um and Darren said our, our director said you know that we should think come up with some sort of name what do you think and I said well Somerset um yeah. inspired by Somerset Maugham which I know is kind of the inspiration for the story but yeah, it's a kind of like, it was a fun thing to do just to say, okay, well, can, what can I do with this? Because I've just got this chunk of text to deal with and to tell this story. Um, and just really have the fun playing with the character and reacting um, who you're telling the story to. Um, and uh, yeah, just having fun with it, basically. Yeah, that's cool. I was, I was just wondering, Chris, on the writing side of things, was that like the intention in terms of like dare I say a spin on the prophet of doom character yeah I mean definitely that was the that was the idea because that's that 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 character it's in it's in the Agatha Christie story I mean there's a character in in, in Bram Stoker's Dracula when they Jonathan Harker turns up at the village there's an old woman who says don't go there yeah. like it's 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 a, it's a literary sort of archetype this this sort of prophet character but but I think with um with the, the with Somerset's part it was a lot about because it was quite it was it was quite last minute this uh, this um you know the, those conversations about you know the casting and the and the conversations about should this be a comedy character or, or not were, were were happening right up until or you know the, the sort of almost until we were shooting and, and it was um uh the the lines that were in there for the barman were were really sort of basic like it was a character but it, like he just sort of commented on I think maybe the school reunion stuff. And right. I think we, once we took Cass Nicholas, I was like, right, I just wanted to give him something cool to do. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, but that, how but do that, we... but that works. I mean, yeah, and I had like, works, you know? I mean, I, I sort of stole it because there's the, 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 the Peter Bogdanovich film Targets. They yeah. got, uh, when they get Boris Karloff in, and Peter Bogdanovich, yeah. the, the, the story behind that is they, they had Boris Karloff for like a day, and they were like, and it gives them this, this some, it gives them a variation of the Somerset Morm story. And I was like, well, Nicholas is like our Boris Karloff. He's this sort of right. guy, he's coming in. So let's, let's give him something in the Somerset Morm speech. But I changed it to make it a bit funny, but also 
the intention was, yes, this is a bit creepy. And it was more about tone setting than anything else. It was like, we've got all this, this sort of funny stuff. And there's, there's a couple of, I wanted to make sure, because I wanted to concentrate on the characters at the beginning, but also make sure that there is that sort of horror tone. And so there's, there's a moment in the car park where Cheryl thinks she's been watched by someone. So yeah. that. And then there's and then Nicholas's speech. That's those are the, the two sort of indicators that this is a horror film, really. Um, without sort of going over the top. Yeah, and I just thought it was really really well placed. So Phil, shall we move on to, as you were saying, uh, slasher movies? Yes, let's I just want to like last thing on um Paintball Massacre. Uh, like I think you know, great job everyone. It's it's really enjoyable and it's got some lovely kills. And I always rate horror films on two things. It's like, do I were the kills good? tick you know were there people in it that i didn't want to survive and i actively disliked tick good job i mean you know that that for me makes a a good horror film and i think it's probably a good time uh to move on to that the the slasher genre so what we normally do when we have guest casts in is we go around we get everyone to pick their five favorite whatever we pick there are 580 people on this call today so that, that would take us quite a while so what I thought we could do is we could compile our ultimate slasher movie list, right? So we, we'll get one slasher movie from everyone. There is a rule, and that rule is if someone else says that film, you can't say it. So you've now got to go to something else. So this this requires a slightly deeper depth of, of knowledge around the uh, the slasher genre. Um, and it also requires, like, uh, like me being really fair on who I pick on first. Now, I, I like... We could we could tell the story how I was actively threatened that I have to go to certain people in a certain order at the beginning, but I definitely wouldn't do that on the podcast. However, um, let's go to Cheryl first. Yay! <laughs> um, okay, so this film um, I actually watched with Ross in the cinema, um, and it was way better than what I thought it was going to be. I think, you know, like you've got a silly ball card and you try and go and watch everything and you get to a point where you go, actually, yeah, let, let's go watch this movie. Um, it'll be quite interesting because we've kind of watched everything else that's out there. Um, and we sat down for this film and it blew us away and it was funny and it, it was great acting and it was Happy Death Day. I knew And it is a film and a half. <laughs> yeah, really, really good movie. Um and yeah, that is, that's mine. I love it. And I can watch it lots of times. I won't step on everyone's film. Hang on, I was just saying, I genuinely think that Jessica Roth in that movie and in the sequel is doing acting work that you just, we've been talking about the archetypes of, of horror films. She starts off as like the bitch that you would sort of want to see die. She, she when you first meet her, and for a good, maybe first 20 minutes of the movie, you don't like her. She's not, she's difficult with everybody. She's, you know, you know, I'm just saying obnoxious and unpleasant. And what, what's brilliant about the first film and then the second film is just how much you see of her and why she is how she is. And so few films do that. Um, yeah, I don't want to go too far, I but I it, genuinely think that the lead actress, Jessica, it just does such an incredible job. She you nailed incredible. it. You know, we talk yeah. about trigger films. Like I should have warned you about Happy Death Day as well. That's the other one. Like I even to the point where we did our annual awards here at the podcast, and our, our annual award that um one of the annual awards we did was yes, Ross. We know Happy Death Day is great. Stop mentioning it. Now. <laughs> um, no. So uh, <laughs> good, Cheryl. Uh, we're gonna we'll do the round robin thing again, right? So you can pick the person who goes next. Okay, great. Well, I'll pick on Chris then because he picked on me. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go. 
really old. <laughs> to be, um, uh, Peeping Tom, oh. 1960, Michael Powell, which is sort of, I guess, before the genre had really been invented. But I think if you look at that film now, it's like, it's just everything that's interesting. I think it, I think it's it's a good indication because I'm not a massive fan of the Sasha genre as it became, but I think that film kind of shows what it could be like because there's all this interesting psychological stuff in it. It's a film that's sort of about cinema and about voyeurism and about kind of. That, I mean, it's, it's it's difficult to watch and it's sort of it's got all these kind of uneasy kind of moments where you're like being how you are experiencing the film is kind of called into question. And I think, I think it's a, yeah, anyway, I think it's, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good one. Good. I, I had a feeling you, you'd pick something slightly outside of the movie. I had to make up for Spongebob, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you did. I mean, that's a fair point. Chris, uh, you can get to pick who goes next. Uh, should we go with uh, Lee? Cool. Um, yeah, the slasher era, I'll be really honest, it's not really my thing. So when you were like, name your top slasher films, I was like, ah, I might have to do some research. <laughs> I've not even seen them. I might just look up what's popular. Um, but for me, actually growing up, and this is going back to like the 80s, um, I just, I loved Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, of course. I, Ross, I hope that's not a trigger. <laughs> <laughs> It's a positive. The only thing that's funny about Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't. There seems to have been a thing. I listen to obviously a lot of movie podcasts and stuff. There seems to be this really weird, very recent trend. It's not Halloween at the moment or anything like that. Literally, the last month or two, there have been several episodes of different podcasts I've listened to that have talked about the Nightmare franchise, just in passing, like nothing to do with the topic of the day. And they've all said how how much they love the movies, and I, I agree. I mean, I mostly like the sequels in terms of how much fun they become. But you can't get away from it. it becomes increase, you become increasingly aware now that Freddy was a child molester, a child killer, but a child molester as well. And he becomes this quippy supervillain. <laughs> By like part three and four, which are arguably my favourite episodes of the, the whole thing, and they are genuinely fun, he's a child molester. And, and, in today's, and in today's climate, you just go, ah... But There's then, so many but, things in today's climate that you can't discuss or talk about. Though, sure. I, 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 by the way, I wasn't. I mean, I think that's still a fantastic franchise overall, right? Like, I'm just. It's a great call right there. But it's just funny that very recently that has come up across the ranks. Just in yeah, passing, kid, it was more. I think they just they, he, he made it work because obviously when you're a child growing up, I was only what God, that's eighty four. I was like maybe ten, you know, yeah, not, not even quite ten when that came out, and um. It's that thing of when you go to sleep, you know, the monster in the closet or there's something under your bed or whatever Absolutely. it is. I think they really tapped into it's in your mind. It's in your dreams. It doesn't have to be a closet. It doesn't have to be under your bed. It's just you're scared to go to sleep in case something happens. And I think that then mentally gets into your head and it works on many levels. And it was a good slash yeah. of the end of the day. I, 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 genuinely, I genuinely think the first two are really for real scary, like frightening. Yeah. Like like genuinely upsetting and, and still are, I think. And then obviously the sequels always become, I mean, the third one and the fourth one are almost like superhero movies back in the day, like horror superhero movies, which is probably why I liked them more, certainly at the time. Um, is that the third one? Sorry, is that you... to a big snake? That, that's the, is that the fifth one, Chris? Is that five? One, he turns into a big snake, which is just like, it's comical when you watch it now, but obviously I feel like that then... might be four or 
five. Yeah, third one's Dream Warriors. I, Dream, I Dream Warriors for Dream Warriors for mine, actually. <laughs> yeah, Dream Warriors and Dream Master together particularly work extremely well. I was going to say, Lee, for someone that, that's not a fan of the genre, you picked, like, that was one of my, on my, my reserve list, was A Nightmare on Elf, yeah. because it is, to this day, it's still one of the scariest films to, to, to watch. Is. And it's just, like, Freddy is, like, Jason was never scary to me, right? Like, he's a great villain, but he was never scary. Freddy Krueger, genuinely, and I think, like you, I think we're of a similar age. Um, but, like, I, I went to bed genuinely petrified of going to sleep because of Freddy Krueger for quite some time. So, no, he's, he's like, like yeah, yeah proper. What might happen? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, uh, scary, scary dude. And so well played by, by Robert Englund. I mean, so well played. Um, Lee, who's next? Um, let's go before she kills me. Let's go, Natasha. <laughs> well, what's going on there? Desperate to go. She's like, please pick me. I have Can one choice. Very disappointed in you, Cheryl. Very, I thought we agreed I was going to go a second. I'm very angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Lee. You saw you saw the angry look in my eyes. <laughs> I mean. I mean, it's not groundbreaking what I'm going to pick, but this film rocked my world because it was the first horror film I watched. Um, it's Scream. And it's that's great. That's a great choice. That's a you. great choice. For me, also, it, it sort of salvaged the slasher genre because I feel like by the time it got to like mid-90s, it was dying out a little bit because there's like all these slasher films that were churning out. And Kevin Williamson's writing was just groundbreaking because he, he added the humor aspect with obviously the slashing it wasn't necessarily scary but for me it was brilliant so I, I actually think that it's it's really easy for, i feel i think we might have talked about this before again on the 31 films of halloween there's this anyway that sort of thing but people forget because in the mid 90s mid to late 90s mm -hmm. obviously scream kind of kick-started it all again uh, and there are a lot of these self-knowing you know self-referential and all of the postmodern. i hate using that phrase and it's really easy to forget a little bit like when Saw came, the first Saw came out, all of these like torture porn films. Saw was not a torture porn film. If you know, like the first one wasn't. The first one was like a thriller and yeah. it had this whole lot spring up around it like Hostel. With Scream, again, we had I Know What You Did Last Summer and all of those things. And all of them are fairly entertaining in their own right, if you take it individually. Scream today, or certainly the last few years, has held up exceptionally well as its own movie. When you watch it with a distance from all the other stuff, with no disrespect to any of it, it's, you say, I, I think there are bits that are genuinely scary in Scream still, like, but really, it is more funny than not. Yeah. There are some proper scary, you know, when, again, all these jump scares haven't happened yet. You know, it's all of this, it's really easy to forget how yeah. at the time groundbreaking it was. How, remember, that, that costume at the time oh, yeah. was free, was freaky. Oh, now it's a joke. Yeah. The first time I saw the, the, the ghost face, it was scary. Yeah. And it's a guy going around with a kitchen knife killing people. Yeah. You know what I'm getting at? It feels fairly. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I think it's yeah. a really good choice. It's a really good choice. And it's really well written, like you say. Yeah. And that's basically why I think it holds up today. I, I, I think. I'm getting quite Randy, nervous now because. Randy's character. Oh, sorry. No, because I'm <laughs> getting quite nervous now because you just picked another one that was on my reserve. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> so, it was good, right? It was, guys, for reference, this was my number three film. In my yeah. head, doing a top five. I, pick that. I don't know why. I just knew Tasha was going to pick that one. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, <he> sense it. 
Scream, <laughs> Scream is genuinely groundbreaking. It's genuinely yeah. still scary, and it genuinely still has a great ending. Like well, yeah. no one, I mean, spoiler alert, it's a 25 year old film, but no, I don't think anyone genuinely thought that like the, the twist ending was going to be what it was. And I was kind of like, I remember seeing it. I remember I was dating a girl at the time and she, she was like, we were sat in the cinema and she was holding my hand. She was absolutely petrified of the film. And you're kind of like, this is what a horror film should be. A, a, yeah. a 10 o'clock at night showing people yes. genuinely jumping out of their seat, people grabbing hands because they're so bloody scared and it's so tense. And you're right. The writing on it is superb. The direction is superb. The yeah. prologue is particularly good in terms yeah. of setting up. Yeah. Because you, everyone presumed that Drew Barrymore was the hero. Well, yeah. rightly oh, so yeah. at the time, but that it's was, very, that very was clever. Apparently, Drew Barrymore's idea because originally she was lined oh, up yes. to play Sydney. I didn't even know. I genuinely didn't know that. Yeah, yeah well, you're Wes right. Wes Craven nearly backed out of it when she did, when she wanted to die first. Wes Craven was almost like, I'm, I don't want to do it then. But um, yeah, it right. was obviously amazing to do that. I also like like Randy's character and the fact that obviously he is a film nerd and he always references to old slasher films. Like it was just yes. it was genius. So yeah, rocked my world. Loved it. Good, Natasha. Thanks, who's next? Um, let's go with Eva. Okay, so I was actually going to go screen, Tasha. Thank you very much. I didn't know. I know how much Tasha loves, uh, I don't know if this counts, but I'm going to fling it in there anyway. Uh, the Shining, because technically it's a slasher film, is it not? I know, I know it's like a psychological horror. Horror is not really my genre. I'll be very, very honest with you. So I was hellbent that you were going to go for The Shining. So when someone picked you, I was like, great, and I'll follow that. <laughs> but here we are. Um, I don't know if it counts. Actually, no. I was going to say scary movie because comedy horror, because I just think Anna Faris is just the best thing since sliced bread. Um, absolute drinker. Also, Scream, 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 Scream was originally going to be called Scary Movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, so, like, like I think Scary Movie is a good choice. I think Scary Movie is one of those horror comedy films that actually does work. Um, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I think so. Anyway. <laughs> and also, whilst, whilst, whilst The Shining might not be a, a slasher film in the truest sense of the words, I actually could see an argument for it being a slasher film. So I kind of I kind of get that right. So no, I like both those choices. I think they are they are solid. I mean, you've done a Ross on me, and you've technically given me two choices, but I'll take that. It's it's absolutely fine. So um, Eva, who is next on the list? Who hasn't got as? So we haven't had Joe. We haven't had Nicholas yet. Yeah, let's go for Joe then. Let's give Joe a go. Sorry, Nicholas. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I made a list um, and a couple of them already been said, but this one I'm picking because I don't think anyone would have picked it. Um, and it was one of those random films that I was, came on TV, I thought, I'll watch that. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge horror slasher fan myself. Uh, it's Sorority Row. Um, it was the, for me, what jumped me a lot was the opening, obviously, of what happens to the girl they she actually is alive and what they do to her that to me just really jumped, just shocked me you know really really shocked me uh and I, I think I was like 14 15 at the time so yeah I think and it's a fun it's got a bit of comical element to it now I think it was fun That's... I mean I remember think, I remember thinking it was like yeah it wasn't like original but it was fun it was like it, it rolls along really well and the girls are really good at it as well the cast are really good at it so over then, last but certainly not least, before myself and Ross will, will chime in, over to our 
Uh, as Ross described you, I love that, the veteran of the genre. Oh, God, I'm never going to live this one down. <laughs> Nicholas will be like, I'm not going to work for Ross. <laughs> I'd love to work for Ross. It sounds fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, my two choices, Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street first. Um, those obviously have both gone. So, and I'm really torn because I've now got two choices. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm going to go for Candyman. Oh, oh you stole just... my choice. <laughs> Um, I mean, my other choice is going to be Child's Play, but um, oh, Candyman. Wow. They're great choices. Child's... Yeah, Love Child's Play. I mean, Candyman for a fairly obvious connection, um, but I remember when seeing the movie, and I think it's the bees. I think it's Tony Todd. I think it's Tony Todd. He's the he's not the wise cracking. He he's the philosophical slasher, whereas yeah. Freddy is definitely a wise cracking slasher. You know. Um, you, they tend to be kind of two types of slasher in slasher films. I think about Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth. You know, you've got the masked grunter, or you've got the um, the wisecracking slasher. But Tony Todd does this wonderful philosophical, um, and his presence, and but also the, you know, the effects and the bees. Oh my God, the bees! Uh, I am. Um, um... I remember thinking the first, it's really funny, I think Phil might remember this. I, I remember the first time I watched Candyman, I just didn't get it. I, I don't mean that I thought it was bad. I, I, I felt like I couldn't tune into him. And then the second time I watched it, the thing that occurred to me about Tony Todd's character was just how tortured he is. Yeah. Like, you, you, I don't think you've ever had, like, a lead villain. Like, a lead villain in jail. And I see, it's always unfair to call him a villain, but he's the antagonist, essentially, that is so tortured and burdened and... and like you say, philosophical with it. Like you say, they're either just killing machines, which is fine, or like you say, there's the wisecracking or whatever you want to call it. It's, I don't want to say zany, but kind of that, you know, high, high, you know, high, hyper, if you like. Um, but I don't think there's, and I don't think there's been one since. I think no. it's literally just, I, I might be wrong, I'm sure I haven't seen everything, but he brings, you're right, uh, because he brings such presence to the role. Yeah. And it's so much on him, like on the character. Yeah, it's I'm really looking forward. To, really, look, one of the exciting things for me is the remake. Is the yeah. new yes. version of it? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm genuinely intrigued by that. And yeah. I think yeah. Nicholas, that's a, that's a, that, that was actually my number one choice was Candyman. It was I just I adore that film, and it's it's the kind of film that that I I I think it's so unsettling to watch, and just it's just so grounded for a film about that's a, yeah. a supernatural killer. It's a super grounded mm -hmm. film. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the, like Tony Todd the, is so good in that. Um, and yeah, did you look I, in the mirror and say it though? That's the question. <laughs> no, oh. I wouldn't. No, I, 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 I think I've got to four a couple of times, and then like, you kind of go, mm, "I'm not gonna like, tonight. Do it tonight. <laughs> all, all of us will do it tonight, and then 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 that'll be it. Right? We'll all end up." In some kind of horrible fashion, <laughs> I can. So I can. There are a couple of faces here going, "No, not a chance, Phil. Not a chance." So not Ross, um, Mary. No, no, uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, I will go last, uh, just oh. to give you the opportunity to spoil probably my other one that I was going to pick. Okay, it's hugely difficult. Like I was, I was better off when we had like a top five because I could kind of say, <laughs> "You know what I mean?" Like any of your top five or top ten could probably go in any order. And I, I kind of had to bring it down to what's groundbreaking. And the problem is the three that I want to say are groundbreaking. Um, 
can I say two honourable mentions and then I'll do my one? Because that way I'm not cheating. Mentions. Go on. I'm not cheating. So my two honourable mentions for real are this might be slightly controversial, except for you and I. The Friday the thirteenth remake. Yeah. Which I no, think I, is the I, best I Friday that. the thirteenth easily. Uh, and I think it's superb, and I think it does a really good job of the characters in it. Like like you say, the dislikable characters, the likable characters, all, all that stuff. I think Jared Padlek is fantastic in it as well. And all of that stuff. Uh, personal opinion. Actually, Chris, just as one of the buffs, what do you think of that remake? I, <laughs> I, I didn't like that one at all. But I, ah. I, was never a big, I was never a big Friday the 13th fan, but I remember... Maybe I need to go back to it because I, 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 that was one of the films that I came out of thinking I don't like any of these. I don't care about any of these people. They just seem to be here to that, die. That is the issue with it. The weird thing is, I'm a huge Friday the Thirteenth fan, and I hated it when I first saw it. And I went back and rewatched all the Friday the Thirteenth films. And what surprised yeah. me was all the ones I used to love, I don't like anymore, and all the ones I used to hate, I love. And the remake was actually one of the best. And I was just like, shit, that, that's blown my mind. <laughs> no, then, Ross, I remember your other that. honourable mention. Uh, my other honourable mention is simply because it is, in my opinion, totally groundbreaking in a more recent sense, is Switchblade Romance or High Tension, which is a French movie, which yep. I'm sure few people cool. have heard of, which I think is absolutely amazing. I, I always pick that for mine. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it is absolutely. And I watched it again two years ago, and it is unreal how good it is and relatively i've got to say simple but kind of a straightforward movie to make which is good that's you know, well told the number one for me has to be it just it has to be halloween the original halloween just just has to be because of everything that it innovated and even it's the camera work the voyeurism the score is absolutely unparalleled the performances are brilliant May it's I really ask, economical sorry i just want to ask what do you think of the remake the rob zombie Oh, uh, I thought I you were like going to say Rob the new. I thought you. I, the, Rob, the, no, first Rob Rob one, the first Rob Zombie one, I quite like it. But my only issue is, I'm not sure I want to like him as a child. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, because in many ways, the second half of the, Rima, uh, of the, the Rob Zombie version is just Halloween. Like yeah. it's just Halloween, uh, which is perfectly well done. Like it's done really well. And the first half is done really well, but I'm not sure. One of the things I love about mm-hmm. the very first one with no context is you don't know anything about him. Like, there's the, except for Loomis, you don't know anything about Michael Myers. And, I, and I, there's something about that that I think works on a really pure basis. The other one I was going to say is obviously the, the most recent Halloween, the, the David Gordon Green one, which I thought was extraordinary, like an extraordinary yeah. movie. Uh, um, anyway, look, it's, it's easy to pile on, but I just, the first one for all of its innovation. And for everything that it it was certainly responsible for, dare I say, creating or, or influencing, it just stands. And it's one of the most successful independent films that ever made. Um, I'm going to go with, because guess what? Halloween was also on my list. God damn it. <laughs> but I'm going to go with one that no one was, that I thought Ross might mention, because this was the Ooh. film that got him into horror films. This was, oh, for like, fuck's sake. I would have said this. It's just not ah, the best see? one. So there's, a, there's the an interesting one. story it's here. It's supposed to be the best one. There's an interesting story here. Ross, when I met Ross, he was massively into martial arts films. I know that is a massive fucking surprise for everyone that knows him, right? I mean, ah, uh, who knew? Um, <laughs> so Ross was massively into martial arts films. I was massively into horror films. And Ross bought me, gave me a love of martial arts movies. And I introduced Ross to Friday the 13th, part six. Jason, Jason lives. lives. And it changed Ross's views of horror movies and Ross then started to watch more horror movies. 
So for me, it, it's special in two ways. One, it was always one of my favourite Friday the 13th movies, just because it's the first time that Jason becomes this proper supernatural, absolutely insane. Like, he was nuts beforehand, right? In one, two, three, and four, pretty nuts. <laughs> but, like, five, not related, obviously. Six was like, this guy comes back to life by having a spear put through his chest, effectively, and lightning hitting it. Hitting it. And at that point, I'm like, I'm in, right? I, how the hell are you going to kill this guy? At the end of the film, he gets chucked in a lake. In number seven, he comes back from the lake. In number eight, he ends up in... New York, Canada, New York. For about 10 minutes. Canada. Um, and then he even goes to space after that. I mean, that was like the upward trajectory of how insane the Friday the 13th movies got. But it was also the one that I finally, it was my, it was the gateway drug that I gave Ross that kind of hooked him onto it a little bit. And then I, I thought it was amazing. You have, guys, you have to remember, the first horror film I watched was the sixth installment of a franchise so i had no cons i had no basis for what any of this was i mean i've seen lost but i've seen a couple of, i love lost point there's a few yeah. horror films i had seen but, but primarily this was, was yeah, yeah and, and, and horror in general more horror horror lost boys is super mainstream for horror yeah. right and i love i love every second of it but i'm just saying this was so, i was like what are these films yeah what is this and uh so yeah so that's why so look um <laughs> Thank you, everyone. What a, what a really interesting uh, podcast this has been. I've learned some oh, interesting just stuff. Just before we sign off, though, Phil, let's let Joe... Oh, no, I was going how, to. Yeah, I was building for that, Ross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, it's fine. You killed yeah. it. It's okay. Yeah. Bye, uh, everyone. What an interesting yeah. podcast. I mean, we learned that, that, that Chris's last movie was SpongeBob, which is no end of... Um, going to keep me amused no end of times. Um, and, you know, uh, so, look, Joe, Chris, tell us when people can see the film, where they can find it, um, and anything that might be pertinent information for the listeners. Social media, social media channels, all that stuff. Those things are always good. So anyone living in America or Canada, the film is already out. It's on DVD. You can get it from Amazon, and it's also on the digital platforms, Voodoo, Amazon Prime, uh, Fandango Go, iTunes, all those digital platforms you'll be able to see it. And it's coming to the UK. It's coming home on the 5th of April. Uh, you can pre-order the film now on Amazon. And it's going to be on the shelves in Asda and HMV. And it's going to be on digital on iTunes, uh, Amazon Prime Video and a Sky Store. So it's not long to wait for everyone to enjoy it. And um, you can follow us on Facebook at, at Paintball Massacre Film. Instagram is at underscore Paintball Massacre Film. And Twitter's at uh, underscore paintball mass double s but yeah uh, it, i'm excited to come to the uk we've had a great response from the the u.s side and it's a british humor film so i'm really excited to hear what uh the british public think about the film it's exciting i mean that is a that's a good sales pitch there joe i like that that was like as a mic drop sales pitch that one that was uh should we very quickly because i appreciate people have got to go should we just quickly go around everyone and get their social medias so for people to follow and you know Absolutely. Keep up with them? um i will go in the order that i have people on my screen so nicholas where can people find out more about you uh go to nicholasvince.com or as joe mentioned earlier on the chattering which is my regular youtube awesome um and by the way, I mean, I'm just going to say this just because you're you're on the podcast and I kind of have to say this. I bloody adore 
the Hellraiser films. Um, we we were lucky to work with Doug on Ten Dead Men as well. So yeah. um, you know that I, I tried to work with Doug for so many bloody years and like it never worked. And then we finally got him to do a voiceover on Ten Dead Men, and I, I locked him in a room with Ross in Brighton, um, <laughs> Chris. and Chris and. Um, and uh, yeah, we refused to let him out until we we got far more out of him than what what he we paid him for. So, um, but I, I, Hellraiser were were, my, were always my go to films. And I watched last October. I watched Hellraiser in our local in our local theatre, yeah. and they put like actual effects on. So they had like exploding bangs and smoke machines and all of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, and wow. it was un, like the bit where the body falls out at the at, near the end. They put a flashbang in the in the theatre. But I actually shit my pants for. I'm not. You, mean, you mean the moment that makes me jump that yeah. I've seen that film? Yeah, dozens this and dozens of times. It's actually yeah. that's when the body falls out. Is when the Jesus statue falls out of the water. Yeah, literally, I physically jump. Now, now I know imagine it's that. coming. Yeah, now imagine that with a theatrical flashbang going off. <laughs> and I can honestly tell you, I genuinely like. I almost had a heart attack. Um, it was horrible. But like. So, so yeah, like, I just wanted to say that because, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Um, Natasha, uh, where can people find out more about yourself? Um, my Instagram is just my name. So it's at Natasha Killick, K-I-L-L-I-P. How wonderfully simple. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Because like, it's so, so difficult these days to actually have simple uh, social. Joe, um, other than Paintball Massacre, where can people find out about you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Joe Hallett. That's H A L E T, and the same on Twitter uh, at the Joe Hallett because I'm the only Joe. <laughs> Joe, I'm gonna Joe, I'm gonna Joe, I'm gonna set up another Joe Hallett. Yeah, no, I think we all should be <laughs> the other, the real the Joe other. Hallett. Love it, Chris. Where can people find out more about you, sir? Uh, on Twitter, I'm CG underscore Regan. Uh, and I've got a book out. If you go to jennyringo.com, it's the website for my books. So check those out. Awesome. Lee, um, where can people find out more about you? I mean, other than everywhere, right? <laughs> I think you're quite well known. Google yeah, Google search, right? Google. Like if you search Google for me or Ross, don't do it. It's not, not good. But yeah, but, no, but seriously, add uh, your socials, Lee. But for Twitter and Instagram, it is at L Latchford Evans. Nice and simple. And and any any Easy. any touring plans that that you you can tell us about or anything? Yeah. Like um, obviously, other than Paintball Massacre coming out, we've got um, lots of things going on. We'll we'll be on TV, Graham Norton, and things like that. We've got loads right. of stuff happening in the pipeline. We've got a new album coming out end of the year with a new single featuring Michelle Visage and a huge arena tour. Fingers oh. crossed at the end of the year. Hold awesome. on. Hold on. Hold on. You're you're doing a song with Michelle Visage. Uh, she's featuring on one of our tracks. Yeah, that is unbloody believable. I'm such a <laughs> such a massive fan of hers. Uh, like I'm like the... literally. We've just spent um, a few days with her doing the video and getting all the recordings done. Everything. I've just seen the final edit yesterday, so it's all going I'm, well. Like I'm like this is this is this is the podcast where Phil fangirls over everything, right? I'm just like <laughs> ah, this is the best one ever. Um, no, that, that that is really awesome, um, Lee. And uh, like like just just quickly, how when when was Steps first kind of came out? Because like this is this is a long like you guys have had more comebacks than than Rocky, I think now. Yeah, right? I was going to say Mickey Rock, but I Mickey Rock, yeah. <laughs> 
what is it like rocky when you're knocked down it's just how you get up isn't it so you know we keep getting up so um well, yeah, I, I think you were ever well, down, right? You were never down. You just well, thank you. Work. I was just about to say that. People always say, oh, you've come back, you're back together. We actually only ever went away once, and that was <laughs> the very first split. And then when we got back together, which was about 2011, I think, 2011, um, we've never actually been away since then. We've just kept it going, kept it going, kept it going. Now we've just got new management and new music, and it, it seems to be ticking all the right boxes. So we're, we're up there getting number ones against all like the Ed Sheerans and people of today. And amazing. we've got the nostalgia it's past. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like that, that longevity that you, you guys have had, like that is better than like, some bands that you just be like so i love it I, I i love the fact that i keep seeing you on things and i'm like i can actually say to people i worked with him once i worked with him once and i interviewed him once it's great um but awesome Cheryl, where can people find out more about yourself um i'm also another simple one i'm at cheryl benson on all of my social media handles Awesome. And you keep popping up in loads of films I keep seeing. Just like, I keep seeing you and I'm just like, there's Cheryl again. It's like, are you like, now a rule that you have to be in every independent British movie? Is that, is that a thing now, right? Not all of them. <laughs> no, I've also got um, some video games coming out as well. So uh, just lots of exciting things um, for the future to, to have out. So yeah, all good. Awesome. All good in the hood. And then certainly last but not least, Aoife, where can we find where can people find out more about yourself? Well, um, my name is Logistical Nightmare, so good luck. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, both on Twitter and Instagram, it's Aoife Smythe Actor. So A-O-I-F-E-S-M-Y-T-H-A-C-T-O-R. So yeah, good luck spelling it. <laughs> I'm gonna be absolutely and go, I was definitely that person that Googled how to pronounce your name before we came onto the podcast and practiced it 48 48- <laughs> Thank you. Honestly, you don't have to worry about that. Sometimes I go to auditions and they'll go, oh, Wafi, and I'm like, yeah, cool, I'll take it. <laughs> I, it's, it's, a, it's, a love, I love the name. It's such a lovely name, but it, it's one of those, it's one of the few names that genuinely gives me palpitations when I have to say it. Because, like, like I'm also dyslexic, partly dyslexic. Uh, so sometimes when I look at something, and like that doesn't help me when I look at something and it's pronounced completely differently. And it's also a name that's like not as common. So um, yes, no, that, that was genuinely um, like, thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on that. It's brilliant. And Ross, um, finally yourself, my friend. Uh, uh, so it's at Ross Boyask on all the social things, uh, at Evo Films UK to follow the exploits of evolutionary films. We have films coming out throughout the year, which is, Remarkable given the circumstances. Uh, and then at Vengeance Film UK uh, to follow the exploits of the action franchise thing that I'm writing into it. And literally the, the social bits almost took longer than the interview about Paintball Massive. That's amazing, right? Um, so www.philsquickreview.co.uk, Ross and Phil Talk Movies on Instagram and everywhere else. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Um, go out and buy a copy of Paintball Massacre. Download it digitally, um, do it wherever you... Legally. Legally. Obviously, that goes without saying. (laughs) Um, And pay money, right? Because, like, independent films are really one of the things that we do so bloody well in this country, and we need to support independent films. Like, Justice Leagues and Marvels will always get made, and they'll always go on on everywhere, right? And they'll always be successful. But independent films, having been there a few times myself, are a fucking ball ache to make. And this grey hair, half of this is 10 dead men. And the fact I have no hair up here, that was that was um, left for dead. 
and all the wrinkle lines are all the films I didn't get made in between and after. So, you know, so you know, it's a tough, it's a tough life. Uh, to, to, it's a tough choice to go out and do that. But, you know, so go and support the filmmakers here and all their other films and all the other films around there, because actually, you know, it really does make a difference. Um, so thank you for listening, everyone. Take care and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you, hang on, hang on. Thank you. Hang on, hang on. Thank you, everyone, also for coming on the show. Oh, yes. And thank you. Yeah. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's pretty important, right? Thank you, everyone, for coming on the show. And uh, I thought I'd said that. Had I not said that? Oh, no. Okay. Well, look, look, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone. And it's been really great. So, uh, look, Absolutely. go out and buy the film um, and we'll speak to you all again soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Thanks, Tim. Tim. Bye. Bye.